0: Welcome to The Wonderlearn Show. I'm your host, Francis Tapon. In this episode, I have Gary Arndt, who is the host of Everything Everywhere Daily. Now, if you listen to his fantastic podcast, and by the way, I highly recommend it. I listen to it every day. You'll discover that he never talks about current events. He doesn't talk about the U.S. election. He doesn't talk about the war in Israel and Gaza. He doesn't talk about the Ukraine war. He doesn't talk about anything that's going on currently in any kind of way. War in China, Taiwan, whatever, that kind of stuff geopolitics none of that so i turn the mic to him because i want to hear his perspective on these things because this guy spends so much time reading for voraciously and keeping up with all sorts of information and yet he doesn't share it in his podcast so this is a chance for him to do just that i hope you enjoyed this episode it's always fun to listen to his takes on current events because it's not something you hear on his podcast here we go here's gary arndt one thing that you do not do on your daily podcast is talk about current events because I think you try to make evergreen content and obviously things will be out of date if you talk about contemporary events still I know you're very educated and you follow this stuff a lot and I was curious what give you a chance to share some of your views on the several things that are happening in the world and one of them is of course the war in Ukraine uh, the war that's going on in Israel and the Gaza Strip and and as well as the 2024 uh, presidential election in the United States. So let's go one by one to all of them. Uh, first, Ukraine. Any thoughts on where your crystal ball tells us where we're going and how that will end?
1: I don't think it's going to end in a Russian conquest of all of Ukraine. I think that the I think that military planners in the Pentagon and you know in Brussels must have shit themselves when this war started. When they realized just how bad the Russian army was like this is like they I think you know the Iraqi army probably would have put up a better fight than the Russians did that they have been so uh, addled by corruption over decades that they they weren't able to do basic things like provide food and ammunition and you're constantly seeing these uh videos created by line soldiers in Russia uh, directed towards Putin asking them for supplies, and, and they don't seem to care. And so however this ends, Russia is going to have a problem when all of these frontline soldiers who have been treated like shit, um, they were abused, they were you know not adequately uh, provided what they needed to do their job, they go back home. I think it's going to cause a lot of resentment. Uh, it may start to cause problems. Uh, one of the things I've heard that's starting to happen, I don't know if it's a huge problem, but Russia never really had guns in the civilian population. And now soldiers are coming back with guns. Uh, so this could go a whole lot of different ways. And who knows what happens if Putin just up and dies one day. By all accounts, he's not well. What he has, nobody really knows. Or, you know, how long he could last. It could be years. It could be months. Um, That being said, uh, they do have a Russia has a great deal of mass. And so they're able to continue to just keep throwing bodies uh, at Ukraine. I've often wondered why Ukraine has taken the strategy of fighting Russia's war. Russia is fighting an artillery war. They're they're uh, entrenched. And like this big battle they had for Bakhmut, which is of no strategic significance whatsoever. They fought tooth and nail for this which I thought was a dumb strategy, where they saw success in the very early days of the war, of the war was when uh, Russia was trying to make ground in, the, in, in you know, an open area. I would have like let the Russians come through and then just ambush them when they have no defensive uh, positions and then just continually do that because that's where you have the lopsided uh, battles that you saw very early in the war where they can use javelins and stuff like that and just take out a lot of their armor. Um, I think it's very interesting what's happening in t- with drones. This has been, I think that's the one thing coming out of this war that everyone is looking at, that the ability to make cheap drones, Uh, there are drone assembly plants in Ukraine right now where they're basically making drones for under $10,000 that have explosives and can go take out a tank that costs, you know, a couple million dollars. So throughout the history of warfare, there's been this issue of asymmetry you know, uh, others, you know, whether defense or offense becomes uh, predominant. And right now, I think you're seeing this trend where low cost drones have a potential to really change a lot of things. I think this is going to spread outside of Ukraine to other places. This may end up spreading, you know, I could see this being used in wars in Africa. Um, I don't think heavy armor and aircraft isn't as important in a lot of parts of the world where it's still just guys riding around in pickup trucks with AK-47s. But it it has huge potential, uh, both for the U.S. military and others as well. As what's going on in the Gaza Strip, um, I think that what what Hamas intended is pretty much what's happening. They wanted Israel to... They wanted to do something so horrific that it forced Israel to counterattack, to go into Gaza to take civilian casualties where they could then play the victim on the international stage. I think it was primarily done because they wanted to break up any possible peace talks between Israel and Saudi Arabia, especially. Uh, and I think the Saudis, I actually know that if you've been listening to some of the things that they've said, they've been towing the, the Arab line and saying, you know, Oh, we're against this. But I think they're also very aware of what is happening and that the intent was to manipulate this. So I'm guessing that however this gets resolved, they will still come back to the table. And quite frankly, and even though this hasn't really been talked about, I think Gaza is and always has been, has the potential to be like a Dubai or a Singapore. It's perfectly located on the Mediterranean. The problem is they need someone who can manage it and and provide uh, investment money. I think a country like the UAE or Saudi Arabia, if they were to basically just take it over uh, and manage it, um, could probably do a fantastic job and make it a very wealthy place. It would take, you know, 10, 20 years to do that. Uh, but given where they are right now and its location, I think it's something that's possible, but I, I don't know if that's in the cards anytime soon.
0: And that ends this episode of the WonderLearn podcast, where we explore travel technology and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember Ftapon, that's my first initial and my last name. Ftapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon, encouraging you to wander and learn.